Good morning. A very warm welcome to you on this Sunday when we come to worship God and may you know God's loving presence with you. Now we are now in the week of prayer for Christian unity and our G52 churches together will be holding our service of prayer for Christian unity uh, early in March and details will be given near the time. Today we are marking our unity locally with our reader swap among the G52 churches. Uh, Morag McNulty uh, from our congregation is visiting Our Lady in St. George Roman Catholic Church on our behalf this morning and I'm very pleased to welcome Margaret Fleming from Hillington Park Church uh, who will be giving our Bible reading a little later on in the service. Uh, Margaret, please convey the, the love and uh, Christian wishes of uh, us to our brothers and sisters at Tillington Park Church. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 24. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour, such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. So let's worship God as we sing together our first hymn, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, Mission Praise number 560. Let's come to God in prayer now. Let us pray together. Almighty God, our Lord and King, creator of the heavens and the earth, source of all life and love, you are enthroned in splendor, yet you are here by our side. You are ruler of all, 
and yet you call us to be part of your family in your eternal kingdom. Thank you that we may come to you because you have come to us through Jesus, your son. Thank you that you invite us to come as we are in all our weakness, with all our faults and failings, so that in confessing our need for you, we may receive your forgiveness and be assured of your loving embrace through Christ our Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for all that we have said or done or thought that is not pleasing in your sight. Cleanse us and renew us by your most Holy Spirit and help us to worship you in all our ways and in every part of our lives, praising you for your unfailing love and celebrating your great goodness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we're thinking today about sometimes how people will tell us things that we know are right, but um, we may not like what they say. I wonder, maybe when we were younger, we're being told, it's now is the right time for you to go to bed. It's, we know it's the right thing, but we don't like to do it. I'm sure you can think of other examples. Well, you know, in the Bible, uh, Jesus teaches us that God's love is bigger than we can imagine. And because God's love reaches out to everyone, and even the people that we might find a bit uh, difficult to love, even the people we might think of as enemies. And the Gospels tell us that Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill-treat you, if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone asks what you, what belongs, takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Well, that's a very hard thing to do. And we, you know, part of us thinks, oh yes, we know that's right, but it's actually doing it. It's, uh, it's a difficult thing. But when we remember this golden rule of Jesus uh, to think of what we'd like other people to, to do for us um, and to do it for them, it, it helps us. But uh, Jesus also told, he told another story about how we're to show love for all people. And Jesus was teaching people about how um, the essence of our faith is about loving God and loving our neighbor. And someone said, trying to be maybe a wee bit clever, said, oh, who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Who do I have to love? And Jesus uh, told them this story about a man walking along the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. When some robbers came and stole from him, they beat him up and left him just lying there at the side of the road. And later that day, a very holy man was coming along and he saw the hurt man um, but he kept walking, not wanting to get involved, and he um, had too many times, he was praying and so much that he, he just didn't want to be interrupted in his day. Well, a little while later, uh, a very clever teacher came along, and he saw the man was hurt. He, um, he kept going too, he, he didn't want to, well, he wanted to help him, but he was too busy getting to where he was going to, to really care for the man. Well, a short time after that, a stranger came along who was from the country of Samaria. And uh, the Samaritans were hated by many of those that were listening to Jesus' teaching and, and telling the story to them. And um, they, some, some of them thought of them as enemies. But this, in the story, the Samaritan man saw the man who was hurt and he stopped and he thought, how can I help this man? And so he was very kind to him. He uh, gave him a drink, he uh, bandaged his wounds, he 
helped him onto his donkey, took him along the road so he could get more help for him, and he found a place where the man could be looked after and, um, and helped further, and he made sure that he was going to be looked after and got, got better. Well, Jesus was telling this story because he was telling us what it really means to love our neighbor, and also our neighbor is anyone in our world that God has given us to love. And showing our love can be costly, just as it was for the Samaritan in the story, involves um, also maybe loving people that we might consider our enemies. But we can remember that God has loved us so much that uh, when we find it hard to love other people, remember that God has loved us so much that he's given his only son for us so that we can be part of God's family. So let's, uh, let's pray about that, ask for God's help to love like he loves. Dear God, we thank you that uh, your love for us is greater than, bigger than we can know, and that you love all people. Help us to love like you do, and do to others as we would have them do to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our next song is, Our God is a Great Big God, and uh, just to remind you through actions, uh, we're thinking about God's love in particular being bigger and greater than we can imagine, so that's part of God being uh, a big God. He's got big love for everyone in this world. come now to our prayers for others and for the week of Christian unity. Uh, we particularly remember Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17 for us to be one with him, one with God. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through the message, their message, that's the message of the apostles, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. So let's pray together. God of love and unity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we worship you for your great love and goodness, and we thank you for the bonds of love that draw all your people together as one family, united in every time and place by your Spirit. As we remember your desire for us to be united in you, we ask that you would help us to work together with all your people in this place and around us to share the good news of Jesus in word and deed and to bring your hope to a lost and needy world. We pray in particular for all the congregations of the G52 churches together and our church cluster, that you would bless and renew us by your Spirit and help us to live and work together in the unity of that same Spirit of love, that we might share the love of Christ with our neighbors. We pray too for all your people in this city 
that you would blow through us with the wind of your spirit to strengthen us and draw us closer together. Renew our love for all the members of Christ's body and fill us with your compassion for the lost and the lonely, the poor and the oppressed in the communities around us. Sovereign Lord, we pray for your people throughout our land and in all the other lands around the world. We pray that as we face challenges, uncertainties and conflicts throughout our world, your people will bring the hope and wisdom of your kingdom and point others to you, Lord, God of the impossible, our creator and redeemer, who was, who is, and who is to come, King over all. Father, we uphold those who suffer persecution for their faith. We pray for all who suffer injustice and oppression. Enable and empower your people to reach out in love as the body of Christ to those who suffer through poverty or disease or disaster or war. Loving Father, we are conscious of the needs of those around us and those close to us. In your loving kindness, bring your comfort to those who are bereaved and all who suffer loss. Bring your healing to the sick, your hope to the discouraged, your rest to the weary, and cast out all fear by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for all your faithful saints and those we love who now live in your nearer presence. Help us to be faithful that at the end we may join with all your saints in glory at that great banquet in heaven before the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose precious name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to continue to worship God with our, our next hymn, which is called Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Mission praise number 1058. I believe this is a new song, so we just sing it once for you to get familiar with it and then you can join along with us. The song says, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. We find it twice in the Bible, once in the Old Testament, once in the New Testament, when Isaiah sees the Lord in his glory and he sees the angels and the seraphims crying out, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. and the whole world is filled with his glory. And finally, in Revelation, we see John sees the four living creatures crying out and singing the whole day and night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. One thing I know for sure of everything else, worship is going to be never ending in heaven. So that is something that we are all called to do to worship God and we are created to worship God. So join us as we worship God together and declare holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty.
Greetings to you all from Hillingson Park Church and all the G52 churches together. And it's wonderful to be here worshipping with you. So thank you. 
Our reading today is from Colossians chapter 1, 24, and into verse, chapter 2, verse 5. Paul's labor for the church. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission of God. God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his, this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we, pro we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding argu arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Let's continue to worship God as we sing. Now be still for the presence of the Lord. Mission praise number 50. Let's pray together as we come to God's word. 
Lord God, no work is too hard for you, and no person's life is beyond your help. And we thank you that as we come today, whatever burdens are on our hearts, you are here to lift them for us. You are here to help us. So, Lord, um, for those that are coming burdened today, I pray, Lord, that you may um, just minister to them in this time. And, Lord, we, we thank you that we can come to your word, a living word, and that we can be encouraged in our faith. And we ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would make your word alive to us, that you would uh, open our eyes uh, of our understanding to all that you wish to say to us today. And we pray, Lord, that by your Spirit, you would um, speak to us clearly. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder how often you have received a spam message or a spam phone call or a scam by email, text, social media, our phones, or in person. And there are plenty of people who are trying to con us and trick us to get our money, uh, our data, our personal details. And because of this, warnings are constantly being given about the dangers of scams and spam messages. In one shopping store, for example, a large sign was placed next to the gift card selection with the following message, gift card scam, exclamation mark. Customers are receiving phone calls saying they missed jury duty, missed bill payments, etc. These are scams. No official government organization will ever call you to request a gift card. Well, some scams are more obvious than others, but even the most vigilant of us are not immune. And so it's important to be aware of the dangers and to be ready to act in the safest possible way, not allowing ourselves to be taken in. One of the main reasons Paul wrote his letter to the Colossians is because he is giving them a scam warning. He's heard reports from his fellow worker Epaphras that some people had come among the members of the church in Colossae and were trying to sell a different gospel. Like any half-decent scam, the dangers might not be immediately obvious, in fact, it seems that they were saying something that sounded quite plausible. Yet, like any scam, there were hidden dangers. Just as some scammers today try to steal the identities of their victims so they can take people's money, the gospel scammers in Colossae and nearby Laodicea were trying to steal the identity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The true gospel which Paul and Epaphras and all the other apostles taught is all about Jesus Christ. The identity of their Savior is Jesus Christ. The way of salvation is Jesus Christ. But the false teachers, the gospel scammers, who were trying to influence the Christians in the church in Colossae and the surrounding region, were saying something else. They were trying to do what any convincing scam relies on, they were taking something familiar and twisting it for their own purposes. Have you heard the gospel of Jesus? You have. That's good. We can show how to enhance your faith. Just follow these additional steps. Are you finding it difficult following what the Bible says? You have. Well, don't worry. We can show you what you really need to follow. It's all right. Trust us. We've lots of experiencing in helping people like you. Now, Paul doesn't record exactly what the false messages that were being pushed on the believers in Colossae were, but we get some clues later in his letter, and uh, it seems that they were either advocating additional religious rules or advocating that people do whatever they feel like. The additional danger was that the arguments they used sounded convincing. And that's why in today's Bible reading, in chapter 2, verse 4, Paul gives this reason for writing his letter to them. He says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you. 
by fine-sounding arguments. These weren't uh, just obvious scams, if you like. These were fine-sounding arguments. It sounded like the truth, but it wasn't the truth. It was a lie. And staying in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, keeping in the narrow way of life, means sticking by what God has said in his word without adding to it or taking away from it. That's what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 from verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and did we not name, drive out demons in your name, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Paul, the apostle's concern for the Colossians was a very real concern for their salvation, following the loving concern of Jesus Christ himself for his people. Paul wanted to warn the believers of the very real dangers of following these false gospels that the gospel scammers were teaching. He wanted to keep them from being robbed of the fruits of the true gospel of God's grace through Jesus Christ alone and the hope that they had in Christ. This was a warning to beware of spiritual scams. If we ever needed to hear a message to remind us to beware of false gospels and spiritual scams, it's today. On the one hand, there's so much pressure in many walks of life, including in our churches, to conform to the world standards, to abandon the teaching of the Bible whenever that becomes unpopular or doesn't seem fit to fit with the latest trends of what some people want. On the other hand, there's the draw of trying to complement our Christian faith with something other than the gospel of grace in Jesus Christ. Around us, there can be subtle persuasions that we need something else to add to what God's revealed to us in his word. For example, what other religious practices or spiritualities might enhance things and give us a better life? There are very real dangers, and Paul is writing about them in his letter. Things that seem okay on the surface, but underneath can be deadly to our spiritual well-being. So what does Paul say here? What guidance does he give us to help us spot the dangers, to avoid falling into the trap of the spiritual scams of our own day? Well, there are three things that Paul talks about here which are keys to our spiritual health. They're key to our spiritual health and well-being. What he says and what he teaches here is that we are to know Christ, we are to grow in Christ, and we are to be united in Christ. We are to know Christ, we are to grow in Christ, and we are to be united in Christ. And Paul speaks about these three keys of spiritual life, of knowing, of growing, and being united in Christ, as he tells of his own ministry among God's people. So we were thinking earlier um, in previous weeks, Paul wasn't known personally to the Colossians. He'd never been there, but he has a responsibility and a concern for their faith. Because, as he tells them in chapter 1, verse 25, he's been commissioned by God. 
And when we're given a commission or an assignment, that's for us to carry out. And whatever the commission is, we have to work at it until it's completed. And Paul was commissioned to present the Word of God in its fullness to them, to disclose the mystery of the gospel which had now been revealed through Jesus. And what is this mystery? What is this gospel that Paul is commissioned by God to present, not in part, not with additions, but fully and completely? The mystery of the gospel, Paul tells us, is this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But what does that mean exactly? What does it mean, Christ in you, the hope of glory? If we look in John's gospel, chapter 17, some of the verses I was uh, reading before we prayed for others earlier, we have a record of the prayer that Jesus prayed the night before his crucifixion to die for the sins of the world, to make a way for us to be forgiven our sins. Jesus prays, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you, for you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus brings glory to the Father through his life and death and resurrection for us. But Jesus also defines for us what eternal life is about. He says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. If we ever need a simple definition of what our faith is all about, it's this. Jesus came and died for our sins so that we can know God and his Son. He came not only to make us good, to take away our sins, to teach us how to live. He came to lead us to God so that we can know him, so that we can belong to God, so that we can experience the deepest fellowship of all, the knowledge of God with us, and in us by the presence of his Holy Spirit to be filled with God's love. The Bible opens with an account of creation. God makes the universe, our world and all that's in it, and us men and women in his image. But he makes us to know him. He makes us for relationship with him and with each other. Without that, we miss our purpose in living and the gift of eternal life. When sin entered the world, what happened was essentially a relationship breakdown. We no longer knew God. We cut ourselves off from him. The story ever since has been of God's loving pursuit of us to deal with the rift caused by our sin. And he did this fully by sending his son, Jesus, to take the penalty for our sins so that we can be born again into God's family. Returning to Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, and after praying for his disciples, Jesus also prayed for all believers, including us today. As it's recorded in John's gospel, from verse 17 in chapter 17, verse 20 in chapter 17, my prayer, Jesus says, is not for them alone. It's not just for the apostles. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Jesus prays for us that we will receive his glory 
and that he will be in us in the deepest relationship possible, reflecting his own relationship with God, his Father. This is such an amazing prayer that we might know God so closely that we might receive his glory. And yet that's not all. Jesus prays that this would lead to us being brought into complete unity to reflect the unity between God, the Father, and his Son. And it's this unity in Christ that then becomes a witness to the world of the love of God and the truth of the gospel of Christ. We'll come back to this theme of unity briefly in a, in a moment, this unity amongst all believers. But when Paul defines the essence of the gospel as Christ in you, the hope of glory, he's sharing what our Lord has already prayed for us all, that he would be in us and that we would have his glory. It's God's desire for us to know him through our faith in Christ and in knowing him to receive the hope of his glory. We see glimpses of God's glory revealed in our lives now whenever we see his kingdom break in with new life, with freedom in people's lives, bringing hope, transformation. But when Christ returns in glory, the glory of the King of kings and Lord of lords will fill the earth And the Bible says all sorrow and sighing will flee away. Death and darkness will flee away forever. Paul's commission from God then is to preach the word of God in fullness so that those who believe in Christ will know the truth that Christ in you, the hope of glory, is what it's about. However, since Paul has been commissioned by God, he also strongly contends for those who receive the gospel of Christ. He tells of his suffering as a sharing in Christ's suffering for his body, the church. And he says that he strenuously contends for the gospel on their behalf with, as he says in verse 29, all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Why does Paul contend like this? Why does he work so hard? Well, we're told in verse 28, it's so that uh, he and the others, so that it says, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. If the key to our spiritual, first key to our spiritual health and well-being is to know Christ, the second key is to grow in Christ. None of us stay at the same stage of life physically. We all grow we all mature in our bodies from our youth to our later years. Not everyone, however, might grow and mature emotionally and socially. Some people get stuck. Some people continue to behave in childish ways, even when older. And that's never seen as something particularly good. Jesus calls us to be childlike in our faith, but never childish in the way we live. Instead, he calls us to grow in faith and wisdom and to rely on God's grace to transform us, to become more like Christ in our attitudes and in our behavior. What's God's desire? It's that we become like his son in our love for our neighbor, our love for God. And how does that happen? Well, it happens in relationship with Christ first and foremost as we allow our lives and our thoughts to be shaped by God's word. The gospel message in its fullness both teaches and admonishes us. It teaches us the way to live, and it shows us when we're living in a way that's against God's commands of love. And as we become more familiar with God's word, as we read and meditate in the Bible, the Holy Spirit shows us how to apply it to our own lives, how to bring the truth of God's word to bear in the complexity sometimes of our lives and the challenges of our lives, we can ask God for his wisdom how to apply his truth. We should always be aiming to grow more like Christ in our lives. 
It is a journey that takes a lifetime, and we're not to get down if we're not there. We're, we, we just come back to our Lord, we ask His forgiveness, and we start again, but stronger in Him. But it is a journey that our Lord helps us to walk with Him. He promises that when we take this journey, He will be with us. And so to know Christ and to grow in Christ, the first two keys of spiritual health and well-being, the third key is to be united in Christ. Jesus' desire and the desire of our Heavenly Father is that all believers are united in Christ. Whatever label we may have, whatever church we belong to, whatever differences there are in our ways of expressing our love for God, God has made us to be part of one body, the body of his Son, Jesus Christ, who is head of the church. Paul has been commissioned by God to share the gospel, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He contends for the believers to present them fully mature in Christ. And Paul also works with the goal of seeing them complete in the riches of Christ by being encouraged in heart and united in love. If dealing with the spiritual scammers prompted Paul's letter to the Colossians. His end goal was to see that they remain united in the love of Christ. They're not split apart by these false teachings because the unity of all believers is the heart's desire of our Lord. Jesus died on the cross to unite us with our loving God through faith in him, through the forgiveness of our sins, received through repentance, turning to him. But through the cross, our Lord Jesus also died for the whole world to break down the divisions between people, to draw people from every tribe and nation into the loving arms of our heavenly Father for eternity. Unity between believers in the love of Christ, also comes through the same word of God in its fullness transforming us so that we learn to love as Christ has loved us, knowing Christ, growing in Christ, and striving to love each other as Christ has loved us. We recognize it's not easy. We know there's suffering involved but this is the way in which God's love is best revealed to the world which is so divided when we are united in Christ's love. So let us live and pray to be united in love so that many may discover the treasure of knowing God's Son, Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the gospel message that it doesn't depend on us, that it comes through your grace for us in sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, to open a way to know you, to have that fellowship with you, to know you in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. We pray that you would help us to, to know you more and to grow in you, and also that we would live and pray to be united with our brothers and sisters in Christ, around us where we live and further afield, Lord, that we remember to pray for your church, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Almighty Father God, we thank you for the great sacrifice of your Son, Jesus, who gave his life to bring us into your presence through the forgiveness of our sins and the gift of life by your Holy Spirit. Accept our gifts and offerings for the work of your eternal kingdom of light, and may our lives be living sacrifices dedicated for your service. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Amen. 
We conclude our time of worship now as we sing our final hymn today, and can it be Mission Praise number 33?
now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you this day and remain with you always. Amen.